You're listening to the official podcast of Asbury University, produced by students with God-honoring conversations that inform, edify, and encourage. This is Asbury. We explore culture and current topics through a Christian worldview, promoting a well-balanced life, and we empower our community to belong, become, and be set apart. I'm your host, Abby Lobb. Welcome to This is Asbury. Welcome to the Asbury Podcast. I'm joined in the studio today with Dr. Laura Drianska. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you Thank you for being here. So it's National Human Trafficking Prevention Month. And can you talk a little bit about yourself and how your work relates to this month? Yes, of course. I am a professor of psychology. I have recently moved to Wilmore, Kentucky to specifically work at Asbury University at the Department of Psychology. We will also be launching a minor in human trafficking studies. What I do here at Asbury, of course, I teach psychology courses, but the one that I feel passionate about and I deeply care for is a class on the topic of human trafficking. It's from a psychological perspective Mm -hmm. since I'm a psychologist, but of course this is the strong relationship to the National Human Trafficking Prevention Month Mm -hmm. in January. Yeah, definitely. So you you have an amazing story with a lot of traveling. You're from Poland, but you've been Poland, Italy, California, and now you're here at Asbury. Can you Tell me just how you ended up here. What what brought you here? Yes, of course. So I'm originally from Poland. I was born and raised in Poland. Then I actually, one country that's missing from your list is Ecuador. Oh, okay. Wow. I, was, uh, I got my undergrad in Ecuador. And this is also where I've been going through some challenges in life. I was probably the age of most Asbury students right now. This is when I was introduced to the Lord by Asbarians, a wow. couple of missionaries in Ecuador who... Really, I'm, I feel like they're a spiritual daughter, and they have been my mentors ever since. And this is where, for the first time, I heard about a Christian university, Asbury University. It was a time of many challenges in my life, but also huge blessings. This is when I got to know the Alliance, Christian Missionary Alliance. Oh, okay. I was, yeah. I've done some service with them and was on fire for the Lord. After leaving Ecuador, I came back to Poland, continued my education, I lived in Warsaw, got another degree there. I actually worked a little bit at the Office of International Affairs there, and then I decided to embark on the PhD level education. I chose the theory of social representations, which is a social psychological theory. And there was a very interesting international PhD program that was actually hosted at the Sapienza University of Rome, very large public university in Italy. It was a program in English, so I decided to pursue this program. Also, my husband is Italian, so that played a part in it. I, uh, as a part of the process, I became Italian as well. I did my postdoc there. And then I was just really longing for living and working in a Christian place. Really didn't know anybody, just uh, read an announcement, heard about Biola University first. And this is the reason we left Europe and decided to go to the United States, to California first. So I spent the last uh, six years working at Biola University, teaching psychology there. And this is also where I developed the classes on the topic of human trafficking. So that has been a wonderful experience. However, California is very far from Europe. And once you have 
little kids, which we do, it's nice to be a little closer, even in terms of the time difference. Oh, yeah. Calls with a grandma, calls with a family. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were praying about moving closer to Europe. We love the Christian schools. And then God just opened doors. I wasn't actively pursuing at different universities or looking at many different job offers. I was pretty happy with my work. But then when I heard about the possibility of an opening at Asbury, we just started to pursue it. God continued to open doors. And here we are. We came actually from Europe over here in July, and we've been loving it ever since. So English is what, your third language, third or fourth language? Yes, Polish is my mother tongue. And then I we started learning languages early on in Europe, so I started learning English. I was also, I speak some Russian because that was the language available. Poland is a post-communist right. country. That was a language available at school. So, and I, I love it. It's a beautiful language. Mm-hmm. And of course, in Ecuador, I was studying in Spanish, and, but I feel like also Italian is right. pretty much my second language. Yeah. That's yeah. Which was big at home. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So talk about this this interest in studying the prevention of human trafficking. When were you first introduced to this and how did that passion grow? Yes, that was about 2012, 2013, when I was just almost just done with my doctoral dissertation. And that was in Rome, Italy. I was very close to a missionary. She was living there. She was my mentor. And again, it was God opening the doors. She told me about her outreach to women exploited in prostitution on the streets of Rome. Many of them were from Eastern Europe, so countries like Romania, uh, Ukraine, sometimes Poland, too. So because of Russian, which we've mentioned, it was easier for me to communicate with them. And she's just asked, you know, would you come translate a little bit, pray with the women? And this is kind of how everything started. I became very interested in the topic, felt that burden for them and all the trauma that they had to deal deal with. And I just realized that oftentimes it's not what we initially think that those psychological bonding and those psychological way of just manipulating a person, brainwashing, it can be so much stronger than, you know, physically putting someone in a cage or like putting them in chains, chained to their bed. So I've realized that there's just a lot going on in terms of uh, dealing with trauma, complex trauma from a psychological perspective. So I looked for resources in my profession, right, in psychology. I just realized, oh, this is so much broader. There's so much more than just sex trafficking. There's labor trafficking, organ trafficking, all those different forms. And it's not only women who are victims. It's also boys and men and could be a person of any age. So I became passionate about learning more and sharing that knowledge because I think the best one of the best things we can do that's fairly cost-effective is just talk about it. And at this point, most people have heard about human trafficking, That, but their idea may be, like mine, was fairly narrow of what it is. So what's important is just to realize that there's so much more that goes into it. Any person can be a victim. For a long time, we had a misunderstanding because the word trafficking, that it was oh, foreign nationals brought to the United States. But I think by today, most people know, oh no, actually the majority of victims that we have as identified victims here in the U.S. are from the U.S. I think there are a lot of misconceptions. And I, I think from what I've learned about trafficking, it's some of these people, especially if there's maybe a woman who's stuck in the, a sex trafficking ring, it's almost like she could be living a double life sometimes. And you, know, and you just don't know. Like we've heard that from some people where they were, by all outside appearances, you wouldn't necessarily be able to tell unless you really got to know her. So are there other elements of trafficking that, that many people don't know or wouldn't consider? 
Yeah, that's very true. So I think you touched on something really important. I had a student at Biola who had the experience of being trafficked by her boyfriend. She was from a functional home, and that was while she was attending school. So she was at school, and then she loved music. She would tell her parents, no, I'm just going to my music classes, or I'm going to give some classes, which would give her some extra money. But her boyfriend during that time, he was forcing her into sex trafficking, into exploitation and prostitution. At times, right now, I'm actually working on a chapter with Dr. Seiden, who's a renowned expert on human trafficking. And a very sad part is that we have what we call familial trafficking, which is when family members or caregivers exploit their children. Usually here in the U.S., it is in prostitution or pornography, oftentimes related to drug addiction as well. So uh, that's something that definitely is happening in the U.S., is happening in Kentucky as well, and very sad to to think about. But many of us think, oh, yeah, home, that should be the safe place. We take a child or a victim away from this big, bad, ugly guy. But what do you do if it is happening in the family? Was there an increase in this, you know, during lockdown? lockdowns or things during COVID? Did you see those yes. numbers increase? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's always, I'm always cautious to talk about numbers because mm-hmm. one of the things we're trafficking, it is difficult to get data, solid yeah. data. There is a lot of it that goes underreported. And mm-hmm. of course, that was the challenge with COVID that initially it could have looked like, well, there is less of it happening. It was just, it was more challenging to report it because yeah. of how so everything functioned. Right, exactly. Yeah. There's nowhere to report it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But, One of the things that uh, happened with COVID was that intersection of vulnerability. A lot of people were losing jobs, so there was Mm. economic insecurity, even if they were not losing their jobs. But all of a sudden, kids were at home. And even those kids whose parents were wise enough not to overexpose them to screens, all of a sudden had to deal with, yeah, all school and everything is online. Everyone's working online. So people were scrambling, were more stressed out, less time, and traffickers were, as they are right now, uh, recruiting, grooming, and reaching out to kids, especially those who before would not really know much about the online etiquette do's and don'ts. So they were exploiting uh, social media, trying to connect with vulnerable children, especially or under 18 teenagers. And a lot more trafficking continued to happen. Of course, services for victims. I've actually done some research with survivors of trafficking, and many of them were saying if they were exploited during COVID, it was almost impossible to get services that they needed. There's a lot you need that really cannot be handled online. So it was just, you know, loneliness. Well, and then the trafficking itself can also happen strictly online. Yes. So there's just so many avenues. Do you think trafficking has become more prevalent? You know, you talked about it's hard to put numbers on it. Do you think just as a society, is there more of it going on or is it just that there's better reporting? I'm afraid that there is more of it going on. And as you said, COVID happening, we are only now starting to notice and and be attentive to things like, yes, boys or men being victims of trafficking, labor trafficking. A lot of it is very prevalent in the times of when, you know, just the financial situation, there's insecurity. Also, illegal migration plays a part in it. It's much, much easier to exploit someone who does not have the right paperwork, does not hold their own passport, comes from a different culture, doesn't exp- doesn't understand what are their rights here. So I think there's there's a lot of trafficking going on. Is there anything that's causing this to be on the rise? You mentioned COVID. You mentioned a few of those things. Anything else that you would point to? 
Yeah, I think we need to think about our society in general and where we're headed, even in spiritual terms. So one thing is values, right? Like mm, values in yeah. society. And of course, from a Christian perspective, it's between virtues and vices. So one of the reasons, especially greed, there is an enormous amount of money that trafficking can, and actually enormous amounts of money that trafficking is moving. It's a very quickly growing business. So one of the ways in which social psychological perspective that I like to take, I think it's helpful in this case, it is dehumanization. Mm-hmm. It is depriving a person of their personhood, dignity, the fact that they were made in the image of God and just treating them as an object that you can sell, that you can pass on, or as an animal that you can exploit. Of course, you don't want it to get way too sick, but you want to get out of it as much as you can. So there's that sense of a person is becoming an it and they're being branded, they're being passed on from one trafficker to another. But uh, recent information that just uh, last week and the Anti-Trafficking Prevention Day, kind of a meeting sponsored by the Kentucky Human Trafficking Task mm-hmm. Force, the detective in charge was sharing with us that here in Kentucky, it could be a matter of $6,000 per day that one person, oh young person, could bring to the trafficker. And it's just this ongoing exploitation. So I think that's how Satan works. Once yeah. people start getting this, let's say, easy money, it's actually less, uh, there's less risk than with trafficking drugs or weapons because those are moved around and sold and that's it. But the exploitation of a person just right. continues. So how does artificial intelligence, if at all, have any impact on trafficking? Because there's so many questions around AI. Does that play into this conversation at all? Yes, absolutely, it does. One of the things, as you've mentioned, we can basically create this online persona who can pretend or really seem to be a real person. I like to think about artificial intelligence as just anything that God gave us, let's say money, right? It can be used for good or it can be used for evil. And same thing with artificial intelligence. So a fake online persona, artificial intelligence can help trafficker reach out to a lot of kids who are out there on the internet, on the social media, help them create fake pictures, fake online persona to start a relationship with them, to sort of groom them into into trafficking. But on the other hand, there's also organizations, of course, working with government and armed forces doing that on the opposite end. So there's an interesting startup company in Georgia that creates those online personas that are kids trying to lure traffickers. And it works. Traffickers believe that those are real children. They try to make contact with that child. And then police shows up, right? So uh, there's a way also kind of how this may work. For a positive outcome. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A couple things that you said really just resonated with me. One of the key things is don't give your kids access to social media or unfettered access to technology as a whole because like like you're saying there are predators. Are there any other like big takeaways that you would offer to parents or educators or mentors? What can we do to help slow this down just in our daily lives? Yeah. Phones, Mm -hmm. technology, they're so precious to teenagers. Yes. Right? So if you take away a phone from a teenager, many of them would be able to do or would be willing to do a lot to get a new phone. So that's something traffickers are using too. Oh, wow. So it's not as simple as take away your phones. Yeah. For a week or for a month, right. they're going to find a way to get it. And it probably will not be a way that we're happy with. Oh, yeah. That's so a good point. That's a, that's the scary part there. Relationships, traffickers target kids that are vulnerable. What does it mean? It 
of course, you know, you may think about socioeconomic status, uh, dysfunctional families, if there's drug addiction, abuse in the family, of course, those are the first ones. But even for those who seem to be doing fine, but maybe, you know, not such a strong network of relationships, I'm not saying about having a lot of friends, dozens of friends, it, that doesn't help. Although, of course, it's much better than being totally lonely, but a few meaningful relationship, the relationship of trust, the sense of you love them no matter what, you don't agree with everything that they do. Something I'm trying to instill in my five-year-old already, you can tell mommy whatever, I will not be mad. You just have to tell me the truth. It is the way that Satan works or lies. This is the way the traffickers work. The first thing they want to do, oh, this is our secret. Let's make yeah. it just our own relationship. Don't ever mention it to anybody. And this is, that's exactly what works. Yeah, later that's a on. huge red flag you have to teach yeah. your children. You know, if anyone ever says this, <laughs> run away as fast as you can. Yeah. Yes. As Christians, how do we approach trafficking prevention? You touched on this before. It's like the further in society that we get away from God, you lose human dignity. You lose the idea that a human is valuable simply because they are a human created in the image of God. So what should Christians be doing as we approach this? Yeah, I feel like uh, really living and continuing to build that sense of community, meaningful relationships. We're pretty good at having programs and Bible studies, and they're all great. But sometimes it's like, yeah, I kind of know those people, but mm-hmm. I just walk into the same room every week, walk out. We're not really building meaningful relationships and a sense of trust where we can really lean on one another. I think this is one of the best weapons. Uh, we need to talk. We need to talk about things like sexual abuse. Oftentimes the challenge with human trafficking is that so many victims remain remain not identified because they don't self-identify as victims or survivors of human trafficking. They think that's just the way it is. They may be coming from homes. Sundays they're at at church. During the week they're at school. There's abuse and there's familial trafficking going on at their homes. They're just not allowed to talk about it. And they might not even realize that that's what's happening to them. They're thinking, oh, that's just just what happens. That's how our family works. So Mm -hmm. I think like the more we can talk to people, be connected, uh, I think sometimes as Christians, oftentimes there's just this facade, like we have to look perfect for Sunday mm. church, we have to look perfect to someone else, but we're not. So the more <laughs> yeah. we can talk about it, I just safely assume oftentimes, like if I were to if I were to speak in chapel, there it's like if there are some survivors of human trafficking, they may yeah. know it, they may not know it, or people have met survivors of human trafficking. We just don't really maybe sometimes talk about it enough or don't create those safe spaces yeah. where we can. So I think that that would be crucial. And just talking about trafficking, for me, it's a part of publishing or working on a book right now involving people from different disciplines, including a colleague from, from Asbury from here, Dr. Robin Lim. We're writing about uh, specifically human trafficking and artificial intelligence. Oh, so it wow. makes sense, huh. like, to make all of us and come together. When is that book coming out? I'd love to read that. The plan is to have it released by August next year. Okay, so great. it's a pretty short timeline. Yeah. That's when there is an important anti-trafficking event happening in Washington, D.C. Okay. So we want to be ready for that. But the fun part for me is that we're working with a lot of authors from Italy as well. It will be published by a publisher from Italy. Asbury has actually has sponsored some work related to this book. So I'm deeply thankful for that. But the more we can come together and just talk about it, share make 
make room in our sermons and our daily conversations, I think those could all be openings. If nothing else, we could like share some red flags, right? Like, just like what we're doing right now. I think that's crucial for raising awareness. Yeah. I think if there is a student, like you said, who, you know, maybe they, they don't even realize they haven't self-identified as someone who was trafficked or abused, helping them break the cycle, realizing, okay, this was not normal. I've also heard a lot of people say how pornography use is so prevalent. And so if you just stop using pornography, stop consuming that content, you also can help. Yes, that is a very good point. There's definitely a link between pornography. It's very easily accessible. It's unfortunately as accessible to Christians as anyone mm-hmm. else. The hidden nature of it, it seems to people that, well, I'm not really causing any damage. Nobody knows. But there is a strong link with human trafficking. Many people argue that since pornography became so easily accessible on people's phones and computers, like they can do it individually at homes. They don't have to go to some external location to watch this kind of film movie, if you could even call it that, it's caused, for instance, customers in prostitution demand more sickening things, more violent things, strange expectations about sex and sexual relationships. And that can creep into the mind of a Christian as well. So stopping pornography, recognizing that there is that link and trafficking fuels pornography, especially child pornography. There's a lot of money involved and, and it's sinful. That's a great point. Is there anything else in closing, Dr. Drianska, that you think people should know? that you'd like to add? That idea of red flags, I think, is really, really important. Just knowing sometimes it's the sense of something's off, Mm -hmm. something's just not right. Sharing with someone, speaking up, I think as Christians, we have that power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Who can nudge them? And it could be a relationship with someone who may be trying to groom you. There's just something not right. Be attentive to that because oftentimes that, you know, not Christians would say that gut level feeling, there's something's just off, something's not right. I'm not convinced. Yes, you may be right. And if you're not, I don't think anybody will feel particularly hurt if they do, then that's another issue. But I think that's the way we may want to intervene, say something, or just for, for our students, make their decisions carefully, listen to the Holy Spirit who's there to protect them because I think we do have that power and pray. It's been hard for me, especially knowing as much as I know about, let's say, the dark side of it, but praying for everyone involved, praying for victims, potential victims, praying for their parents, their families, our hearts just naturally go out to them. But just as the Lord tells us, pray for your enemies, praying even for traffickers, for customers, for Johns. That's something that's hard for me, but I believe that we're called to do that. Real quickly, I know that there are some hotlines or some numbers. Are there any resources that you would point someone to? Yeah, so a very good website is Polaris. This is U.S. anti-trafficking hotline, and the good thing is you can also chat that number, so you don't necessarily have to call. Oftentimes, that's not the safest thing to do, not always possible, but you can also chat, so that would be an important resource. Of course, feel free to to reach out to me if you have any questions. Come up to my office. I think we we will be offering, we will continue to offer uh, classes. I know also Dr. Glenn Harden teaches a class on human trafficking from the perspective of political science. Oh, so it's definitely a topic that's important here at Asbury. We deeply, deeply care about knowing more about it. Well, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate you coming in. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of This is Asbury. To learn more about Asbury University, visit asbury.edu.